Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Pie Factory Podcast, episode 136. My name is Sean. I'm one of the co-hosts. And uh, just a quick intro, first of all, for anybody who's brand new to this podcast. Uh, my friend Jim and I, we've known each other since July 25th, 1992. Long story why I remember that date. Actually, it's not a long story. We uh, met that day uh, when we had a huge uh, BBS gathering in uh, West Park in Joliet, Illinois. Um, anyway, uh, back to why you're hearing me right now. Um, this episode is a tiny, tiny bit unusual in that we did a segment. Uh, it's a segment that we do pretty frequently, but due to the nature of the segment, um, there was a lot of uh, double entendre, possibly even triple and quadruple entendre that... Uh, Really, we didn't want to put on the normal feed, uh, lest we lose our clean rating on uh, the various podcast distributors. Uh, and uh, we were wondering what to do about that. Uh, we thought at first, well, put it in for Patreon sponsors. But given that it's a normal segment, just done a little bit too raunchily, <laughs> uh, we figured that wouldn't be fair. So... um what we're going to do is the missing segment will be available as a separate download. If you want to hear what we recorded but trimmed out, you can go to piefactorypodcast.com and click on the link that says show notes, um, assuming you're using the site that existed as of March 30th. 2023. Uh, I've been talking for a long time about how we're updating the site and it's been taking a long time. So when we finally do get it updated, I don't know if it's going to be in the same place, but anyway, um, if you go to the show notes for episode 136, you'll see the download there. If you're a Patreon sponsor, you can hear the segment exactly as recorded in the exact place it was recorded unedited in the uncensored version of the episode. But anyway, Episode 136. All right, is this another one of these things where you were talking about me while I was gone and how it's going to stick it in as a bonus feature? Probably. Hi, everyone. Tim Kittrow, and you're listening to the Pie Factory Podcast. Boom shakalaka. Testing, testing. Is this thing on? I have a suggestion. You do? What do you think about this? I, you've been introing the episodes lately, so how about for episode 136, I try my hand at an intro. Is that okay? Sure, why not? Okay. <clears throat> Dear and esteemed listeners, I humbly extend to you a gracious welcome to the Pie Factory podcast, in which we shall embark upon a journey of enlightenment through the study of retro arcade games. It is with great erudition and a sense of intellectual curiosity that I, your co-host Sean, shall endeavor to engage in a learned discussion with my esteemed companion, Jim, whose profundity in matters pertaining to these antiquated gaming machines is of the highest caliber. Our discourse shall encompass a thorough examination of the games characterized by their utilization of buttons and joysticks, and shall culminate with our own experiential encounter with these games as we seek to showcase our retrospective gaming proficiencies. So do join us in this cerebral odyssey, brimming with pedagogical value and erudite amusement, only here on Pie Factory Podcast. Nice. Very pretentious. I like it. Very pretentious. Um, that was uh, courtesy of OpenAI, by the Don't! way. I asked it to uh, generate an introduction for us mm -hmm. using vocabulary from Oxford. 
You know what? Maybe we should just have the whole next episode with our two games. You know, just that'd be pretty cool. Chat, uh, you know, chat. A, what is it? GPT. Chat GPT. I yeah. think it's called. Yeah. Well, uh, how have you been? <laughs> Thank you for asking. I've been kind of. Uh, I don't know. I've just been kind of there. There. Uh, I've been doing a lot more Atari home gaming on oh, seventy eight hundred nice. twenty six hundred actually. Still really addicted to uh, Toy Shop Trouble, which of course is a Christmas-themed game. I've gotten up to January 17th, I think. Uh Actually, the 21st, I think. But uh, I've also been futzing around with uh, Centipede on the 7800 a lot, just because I'm trying to somehow improve my my score in the arcade version. That's a good version of Centipede. I had, when I first got it way low all those years ago, that the thing that kind of put me off is it didn't look like the arcade centipede, but uh, the gameplay is so there that I don't even it really, really notice is. it anymore. Yeah, the only thing about it, aside from that, it uses a joystick, of course, unless you have the hack that uses a trackball, is that the playing field has a lot less to it. Mm-hmm. Like the arcade version has a lot more rows to it, and I know I've mentioned this years ago on this podcast, but practicing. On the Atari 7800 version actually helps me improve on the arcade version. I'd like to see somebody hack the uh, 7800 Centipede to just, you know, bring in the pastel colors from the arcade. That's that I kind of miss that. Yeah, and that was one of the selling points. Well, not really selling points, but it attracted uh, that's one you. of the reasons. That's one of the reasons that uh, Donna, or is it Dona? I still don't know, because there's only one N in her name. D-O-N-A, Dona. Ms. Bailey, let's just say, uh, she specifically wanted pastel colors in there. I think she said because she wanted to attract more women into playing mm-hmm. the game. Yeah, and I was really getting into that and Millipede uh, during my last trip to Underground Retrocade. Mm-hmm. My last, I mean most recent. I definitely plan to go again. <laughs> it's not like it's like, oh, I'm never going again. It's my last trip. No, I definitely plan to go there and the Ghost and other places that I can come across, but uh, also been uh, playing some uh, Crystal Castles. Oh, dude, oh. this is interesting. Oh. When I was playing Millipede at uh, Underground Retrocade, right ne- they have all the trackball games kind of right next to each other, especially the Atari trackball games, because mm-hmm. there's Missile Command, Centipede, Millipede, Football. Crystal Castles. I was playing Millipede, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this little girl with her mom just futzing around with Millipede. Or not Millipede, but uh, Crystal Castles. Uh-huh. She found the first warp accidentally. <laughs> nice. And they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, Underground Retrocade and their uh, trackball yeah. games, they have the Atari uh, baseball game. Yeah, there. yeah. I'm sure they've had it for a while, but I, I don't really get up to Retrocade as much as I want because it's about a 70-mile right. drive for me. But yeah, I was happy to see that. I don't like it as much as the football. The football. We talked about it episodes and episodes ago, but I still think that that is the best arcade sports game that's ever been made, period. And in real life, you hate you hate, oh, football, I hate football, but you like baseball. That's a, but but the, the Atari uh, football uh, X's and O's game is really fun. I really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, it is cool. And uh, in other gaming news, I've finally decided I am going to unload my Collector Vision Phoenix and oh. the games I have for it, because I... I just never play the thing. Mm-hmm. I never do. I'm I'm always turning. Even when I do, I fire it up and thinking, you know what? I think I want to play my Atari stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know, the Coleco Vision just was not meant for me. Right. No, so, I mean uh, I I get it. It was kind of a latecomer to the. It didn't last that long in the market. To be perfectly fair. 
it really didn't. It's kind of unfair because it is a good system. It's just my I just don't frenzy on it is much. very good. I think it's the killer app of the hmm. system that maybe war games. The one problem I've always had with the ColecoVision, and it's not a problem with the Phoenix because it emulate it 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 rep, not emulate replicates it perfectly, is the video in a lot of games on that thing are just way too choppy. Yeah. Like, uh, well, like I was saying, War Games, uh, it's pretty choppy, but War Games was a unique take on uh, Missile Command, I thought. But yeah, and and thing is, like, I don't know how I'm gonna get rid of this stuff because if you put it on eBay, everybody in the Collector Vision Club mm-hmm. will crucify you. Right. For doing that, like accusing you of trying to flip it and make a profit, which is not my intention. Well, but, I'm, I'm sure. If- but the thing is, like, they they always say, well, you're, go through the proper channels, reach out to Collector Vision. And I've sent the folks at Collector Vision so far two messages that have gone unanswered mm-hmm. in, the, in between now and the time we recorded our previous episode retrospectively. Well, so hopefully they'll get back to me. Yeah, there. You, did you get? You just used the the SNES controller, right? Oh, I don't have an SNES controller. I use a uh, Ed Ladin has. A, well, actually, it's not even made anymore. But he has a separate. I know what uh, I know what device a, you're talking a, about. Yeah, it's a it's kind of, it's it's a Seagull branded device. It has the little keypad on it, right? And it has a bunch of outputs for different consoles. One for Coleco, one for the ColecoVision Flashback, one for Genesis, one for. I think like everything else, that's a pretty sweet device. And, uh, oh man, I should actually, I, I use that exclusively for the ColecoVision stuff. Mm. So that's something else I'm going to have to sell off. Maybe see if uh, Ed wants it back. Cause I don't think he makes those anymore. I think now he makes just a, a whole standalone controller for it. But yeah, so I got that in three games. Well, actually four, including the uh, Sydney Hunter pack and this really good game too. I got to say. I think they make that for several platforms, actually. Yeah, Sydney Hunter and the Caverns of Death. Really good puzzle. I want to think they make one of the Sydney Hunter games. And I just uh, dropped it and it might not work. Nope. (laughs) I think they make one of the Sydney Hunter games for the uh, Sega Master System. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Which, I was going to say this later, but uh, in relation to something we were going to be talking about, but uh, the Sega Master System is... uh, there's a lot in common with the SG-1000 and the yeah. uh, and the ColecoVision, actually. There's a ColecoVision emulator. Oh, yeah. or there's a Master System emulator out there that plays ColecoVision games. That's right. And yeah. um, so that, that's, I always thought that was kind of weird. I know we've talked about it before, but there was that computer, the, um, uh, what was it? The MSX, which is popular out in like Japan yeah, and other yeah. countries. Only company that uh, released it in the U.S. was Spectra Video, and it didn't do anything, but... I was wondering because it's very similar to the ColecoVision as well. I'm like, well, why didn't Coleco just buy the rights to that and release that instead of the Atom? But then, you know, that came out actually a couple of years after the ColecoVision. Hmm. So that's why they yeah. didn't release that. But And also in other news. <laughs> go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going oh, to say, you mentioned Underground Retrocade, and I was just thinking about this yeah. the other day. I still have not been to Logan Arcade. I've not been to Logan Arcade, but I was. I've been to Logan Hardware several times. Of course, they closed a few years ago. Right. But it's the same people. We need to make a special trip to Logan Arcade one of these. Yeah, seriously. They're, they're good people there. So we need, let's uh, pencil in a, a, a date for that. But I, okay. I'm, well, I have actually have a high, highlighter at my fingertips here. So yeah. Let's I, highlight one. I don't have any plans on my calendar for June 31st. So. Oh, well, there we are. Yeah. So let's pencil that in. Um, unfortunately, I have some, well really terrible news i have to share it's kind of my i feel it's our duty oh uh we got some really sad news and i hate to have to 
mention this, but apparently back in, I think, January, just a couple of months ago, uh, we lost a longtime listener, a longtime supporter of this show. Uh, it was shocking. I didn't even know he was sick, but uh, Airshack, unfortunately, oh. is no longer with us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think he had cancer. I remember you and, mentioning uh, that. Yeah. He was a big supporter of Pie Factory Podcast and the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast, which is still in production, by the way. <laughs> uh, he was also a homebrewer himself. He made a few uh, TI-994A homebrews. I think one wasn't quite finished uh, before he left, but I think there is a playable version somewhere that he called Crazy Uber. Mm-hmm. which I think was kind of a bird's eye view of something like Crazy Taxi, but not quite as uh, insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, a, uh, well, that's a game we should add to the list. Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I'll yeah. add that right now. And I think he had another one. I think it was called uh, Escape from North Korea or something. Unfortunately, I haven't really had much. I know he sent me one or two of his that I was going to be testing on my um, my Mr. device. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. So, uh Airshack was a he so-called Air Shack. His real name was James Shackle. But I figured it's safe to out him at this point. Uh, he was a pilot for Southwest Airlines. Oh, uh, my wife and I take Southwest almost every time we fly, <laughs> and every time I'd get on a flight, I'd wonder, "Ooh, is that Air Shack up there?" <laughs> um, I'd see if sometimes they say who the pilot is, but I never heard his name, and I'd kind of peek in the cockpit on the way out the plane and never saw him there, but. You know, <laughs> But uh, he did once send me a really gorgeous aerial view of the Chicago skyline oh, from yeah? the flight deck. Oh, it's, it, it's it was something else. So, but I think this is probably a good place to put this in. Um, yeah, something I've been meaning to bring up. Of course, it hasn't really been there very long. But uh, as everyone who listens to the show knows, that uh, mental illness, mental health, is uh, very important to to Sean and I. Yes. You know, uh, I'm very open about my struggles with it and, and uh, you know, everything I, I go through in that. Um, on our Discord server, we have a, uh, a mental health uh, channel. So uh, if you join the Pie Factory podcast Discord server, uh, if you feel like you need to vent or, you know, let things out or if you need help or advice or whatever. I mean, we're no doctors or experts or anything. No. But, you know, always there to lend an ear. Uh, just feel free to post whatever uh, in the yeah, um, absolutely yeah, in the uh, the mental health uh, channel on our Discord server. Like I said, I don't think that's been up there for a long time, but it's uh, it's it's definitely worth mentioning. And um, just wanted to get that out. So yeah, you got some shoulders you can cry on, both ours and other people's. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, yeah, sometimes it's good to tell a complete and total stranger your problems. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. One of my problems that I like to vent about is that I was really looking forward to. Uh, grilling some catfish today through on an iron skillet. Unfortunately, they were out of catfish at the store, so I had to grill some uh, New York strips instead. Oh, darn. And it was crazy because it was a, it was a bright, clear, sunny day, but yet somehow it was still snowing periodically. Lake effect. And uh, right before I was about to dump the charcoal out of the charcoal chimney, it started snowing everywhere. I was like, what the heck? And man, it was just insane. Um, the audience most likely doesn't know this, but we started recording late for this. And that was part of the reason because, well, when it's snowing out, it's a little bit more difficult to make a thorough cook when you're using a, a charcoal grill. Mm-hmm. So it took longer to cook. 
I'm happy with the result, though. It turned out really, really good. So I'm glad to say. Yeah. So people might be wondering what I've been up to. I was about to ask, what are you up to, Jimmy G? Yeah, it's been so long since we put out an episode that I don't know. Did I mention on the last episode that I got an N64? I did you? I don't remember. I don't know if I did or not. Well, I got an N64. I cleaned up my gaming area, got a nice, uh, like, I don't know what they call it, a TV stand, TV table, whatever. Like, uh, you know, you could sit like your big 95,000-inch TV or whatever on. And it's yeah. uh, making quite the nice uh, gaming center. And I got myself a little switch box so I can, you know, have multiple systems hooked up at one time. And uh, so I got a N64, and uh, I only have one, one standalone game for it, and that's uh, GoldenEye. And I've been trying to play through that. I haven't touched it in a little bit because... Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you only have one in, one N64 game, it's either going to be the, uh, the the Mario 64 or GoldenEye? Well, it depends because uh, Mario 64, from what I understand, is very expensive. Oh, really? Wasn't that the pack-in game? It was the pack-in. So I, I don't get what the deal is with that, but... Uh, Oh, by the way, with the Super Mario movie coming out, I'm sure that uh, Super Mario games are oh, going to go geez. through the roof. Used like what happened yeah, with adventure, adventure after uh, yep. Ready Player One, but uh, found out that the I, I purchased an EverDrive for it, the uh, EverDrive 64x7, hmm. and the EverDrive 64x7 uh, emulates via well, it actually has FPGA uh, will play. NES, Game Boy, and Game Boy Color games on the N64. Oh, nice. So I have been revisiting uh, revisiting Legend of Zelda and been playing uh, the uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the uh, the Game Boy Color on the N64. So that's pretty nice. And, that that uh, sounds nice. I, uh, since we, I do know that since we last recorded, I purchased a new controller for my Sega Master System from one Victor Marland. Oh, Lion Gats. And, uh, oh gosh, this thing is a, is a sweet little controller. Um, follow Victor Barland on Twitter or wherever he is. And uh, every now and then he will like, like build controllers. Uh, you got one of his Vectrex controllers, right? That's right. And he made it right-handed for me. <laughs> and, uh, watch for it because, uh, he does it as a hobby. It's not a business for him. Yeah. And, uh, he makes really good quality stuff. So, uh. It's worth every penny in the wait time. I got a little impatient because it was obviously coming from the UK, and I'm like, "Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it?" And Ooh, I'm going mean, there. <laughs> yeah, didn't mean to uh, like pester him or anything, but uh, I was excited about getting it, and uh, it was worth the wait. So there's that. Um, obviously, I've played the games we uh, are talking about tonight. But oh, so the way I have this set up, I've got. Uh, See, the Intellivision hooked up. I need to put more games on my flash cart for that. The only one I have on there is the uh, Super Mario Brothers 4-level demo for the Intellivision, which oh. uh, you're not supposed to distribute it because Nintendo, you know, cease and desisted it. That I've got my N64 hooked up, my Atari XE, my 7800, and my uh, Master System, as I was saying. So I've been playing a lot of that. Um the only problem I've been having with the uh, the NES emulation or, well, FPGA or whatever it is on the uh, EverDrive is that the controllers, the uh, N64 controllers, it has a uh, one of the, you know, the, the cross pads for controlling. But um, I don't think that really works as well as a standard NES controller, but there's really not a whole lot you can do about it. Hmm. 
the N64 controller is one of the most bizarre looking controllers I've ever seen. But oh, is that the one with the little two thingies under it? That little two spiky things under it? Yeah, it's got like three wings. It looks like a. Oh right, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, and it's got your main control stick in the middle, and you hold it with that. And it's got a trigger, and it's got like six buttons, and the a start button, and the uh, four, and the and then the cross pad, and all that. So what happened was I saw somebody locally was selling an N64 for like 30 bucks. And I'm like, I'll take it. I can't get get the money until the weekend. This was like on Wednesday. He's like, okay. I contact him again on Saturday. He goes, okay, I've got the money. Uh, where can we pick it up? He goes, oh, I sold it. And by that time, I had already ordered the EverDrive and some extra controllers. Jeez. Oh, and I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, D-Bag. <sighs> yeah, what you going to do? So I spent $90 and bought one at Disc Replay. It was the last one they had. Apparently, uh, the N64 collecting is like really big right now. And uh, the uh, NES collecting is uh, on its way out. Really? So, yeah. So stadium events will be worth $10 soon. Oh, yeah. Of of course. Yep. So there's that. And that's pretty much what I've been doing if I'm not at work. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. When I haven't been at work and I've been home alone when the wife was out, I've been binging Community, and I think since our last episode, I binged The Good Place, mm-hmm. and uh, got really hooked on both of them. I really and don't watch much What else TV. can you say? Yeah, so that's been uh, my life, I guess, in the last month. I don't care what you say anymore. And, uh, yeah. So do we have any uh, addenda, errata, news? I don't think we have Addenda or Errata we because we pretty much nailed it last time. We really don't get Addenda and Errata much anymore. That's because we, we are so much better now. We are so much more accurate and inclusive that we don't need to add anything or correct anything. 25% more accurate than last year's edition. Which is why we're talking about redoing at least one episode we've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just the episode, I, if it's the episode I'm thinking of, that's just because I just feel it felt stilted and... I got to re-listen to it at some point and see yeah, just I do too. what it's all about, you know. But uh, let's see. We got some feedback. We'll get to that later. We got two audio feedbacks, and we got an email. Uh, but we'll hold off on those to the end of the show. And something we should address that I found on uh, Discord. But, of course, we can, we'll can. we get back to that at the end of the uh, the episode, as it were, since most of our feedback is about the games we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Well, not right now, but in very soon, like in a few moments, as it were. In a momentary lapse of reason. Mm-hmm. What was that? That was, was a song, wasn't it, or an album? It was an album. Was it Rush? It was something my brother would listen to. It wasn't Pink Floyd, was, was it, it? Was it Pink Floyd? It might be Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. Hold on. Yeah, let's see. It was Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. It was Floyd. 13th studio album. For, oh, it's from 1987. I didn't know it was that late. You know, yep. it's really weird. Now, maybe I should say, I'll, I'll say it now because I might forget it later, but it's really weird finding out like people that uh, listen to your show that you never thought would listen to it. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, that's just really cool that, I mean, we, I, because every time way, we hear from Shinto, it's like, wait, Shinto listens? Oh my yeah, God, yeah, that's so no cool. Kidding. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we're, we're reaching our stride with the podcast. Only eight years later, so... Yeah. I Man, that's right. It, April 1st is our eighth anniversary. And my daughter pointed this out to me just the other day that uh, in t- just two short years, we'll, be, we'll have been doing this for 10 years. 
That's craziness. That that is insane. So, man. By the way, everybody, if you uh, have any ideas, again for any games you want us to cover yeah. or any uh, episode ideas, we're welcome to doing uh, like special episodes. We still got that Lego one on the back burner. Only reason we canceled it was because one of one our, our uh, one, one of our, our guests, additional guests couldn't make yeah, it. Couldn't make it. But we're still planning on. Yeah. In fact, we should probably talk to him again. Talk yeah. to him again and see if they want yeah. to do that sometime yeah. in the near future. Because I think I mean, that yeah, would be it, a good episode. It's hard enough getting the two of us to agree on a date, but when you add another party to it, Man, Let alone just, two other yeah. parties. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so yeah, just email us. Uh, booth announcer at the end of the episode will tell you how to get in touch with us. Yeah, she'll tell you about PieFactoryFab4IT.com. Yes, because I can't remember that a- I email address. That's why we have two addresses. <laughs> I couldn't remember it either. That's why we have two. <laughs> Count them. We were both so, equally memorable. So, yeah. So, which game you want to talk about first? Would you be okay if we talked about my game first? Because I just happen to have my notes right in front of me at the moment, so I figured it'd be easier to... Sure. We can talk about yours. All right. The game that I'm discussing, even though I played both of these games, uh, is... uh, We're going to talk about mine. I chose Fast Freddy. Yay. I don't know if it's so much that I chose Fast Freddy or you chose the other game, and by default that left me with Fast Freddy. I don't remember. I think it's the second. Either way... Either way, I was not familiar with either of these games, so I really did not care. But anyway, my game was Fast Freddy, which was released in October of 1982 by Atari outside of Japan. Inside of Japan, it was released by Kaneko, I think it's pronounced, as Flyboy, and it was licensed to Taito do Brazil as Big Flyer. So one game, three different names. Oh, I was almost uh, reading some notes that I left in from the previous episode. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I like to talk about the control panel, uh, which in this case contains an eight-way ambidextrous joystick with a red ball top, at least on the American version. On either side of said joystick, you have a button labeled kick. Left side has your player one, player two start buttons, and they're the classic standard Atari volcano style buttons that I believe blink. I, I love, love those, those buttons. Yeah, those are. I I love that on the uh, in store display for the twenty six hundred. Yes, Kmart. They had those buttons. They yes, didn't they blink. Did. I don't think, but they were just black. But that was pretty cool. So, anywho, the gameplay is that you control Fast Freddy, who is a uh, rather spastic looking, uh, over enthusiastic hang gliding enthusiast. Oh God, yes. that's. Stupid grin on his face. <laughs> yes, hang gliding. Yeah, this was released at a time when hang gliding was a was was kind of a fad. And he's always looking at the camera too. And doesn't he wave once in a while? He might. He, he like looks to the camera. Then he looks, looks ahead, and then ahead. He, then he looks right at the screen. You know, here's how I can describe Fast Freddy. He kind of looks like a combination of Butters and Mephisto from South Park. Hmm. Basically, you control Fast Freddy as he flies to the left. It is a left-scrolling game. You scroll from right to left, and you basically avoid, well, everything. Other flying objects, the ground. Basically, if something is there, you avoid it. If Freddy touches anything, he loses a life. Speaking of which, I believe right now, we should do a little segment we have not done in a long time. Oh, it's time for another edition of... Video Now, in this video game, we shall discuss the physics that are unique 
to Fast Freddy. Only in the world of Fast Freddy will you lose a life by making contact with a cloud. Yeah, you have to avoid clouds. Somehow either he hang glides high enough to encounter clouds, or the atmosphere was behaving very weirdly and putting random tiny clouds near ground level here and there. I had that in my notes, actually, about the clouds near the ground level. Like coming out of mountains uh, at the, near, the, near the ground. So there's more, th- more than that just with the physics, because if that's a mountain and you could crash into it, that means that they're at the same vertical plane as you are, where they look like they're in the distance, but if you could crash into it, it's not in the distance, which means your player is huge. He's a monster. Yeah. This yeah, is video so game biology now. Vi- yeah, video game anatomy, video game everything. But basically, if there's a science to it, it is very specific to Fast Freddy's universe. I mean, come to think of it, I think I did drive through fog once and totaled my car just by hitting the fog. The fog totaled my car. <laughs> so maybe it's not so unique. But anyway, I was a little bit inaccurate with that description because there are some things you can run into that will not kill you. Specifically, they are flags with the letters B, O, N, S, and U. Not necessarily in that order. They're usually pretty close to the ground and usually attached to a tree or some other object that, of course, if Freddy touches, will kill him. If Freddy successfully picks up a flag, he gets 100 points. If he collects those letter flags such that, in the order he collects them, they spell the word bonus, then for the remainder of the round... Any letter flag that he picks up will be worth 200 points, regardless of whether it is in the order of the word bonus. Bonus being one of the main shopping, uh, one of the main grocery store chains in Iceland. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. And it's Latin for good, by the way. Oh, well, there you are. I've actually seen, by the way, at least one video game that had both bonus and malice objects. M-A-L-U-S. One of the things I got my wife for Christmas, she wanted a mixer, so I got her that, and I got her a blanket from Iceland. Uh, but somebody put out a book of poetry based on Dante's Inferno, and it was all about the bonus grocery stores. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but anyway, as I was saying with bonus, as Freddy collects the bonus letters, they appear on the bottom of the screen in the very middle of that bottom section. If he grabs a letter out of order... All the accumulated bonus letters wipe out. Starts over blank. For example, if Freddy gets a B and then he gets an O, if he grabs any letter but N after that, the letter tracker erases completely. I noticed that if you have a a B and you can't pick anything up until the next B, it cancels out the B. It doesn't give you the second B. So you have to start over again. Exactly. And by the time you get the second B, it's probably unlikely that you're going to spell bonus because I noticed it's like either the second or third go through with the letters. It'll be like B-O-N-N-U-S. Yep. It's not in order. Yeah. It's the same order every time. And speaking of which, I do believe that the game is patternable. But I can't comment on how easy it is to pattern the game because, uh, spoiler alert, I suck at Fast Freddy. (laughs) But the uh, the bonus flags definitely appear in the same order every time. And, uh, oh, by the way, while Freddy flies, he does have kind of a weapon of defense. He can kick flying objects out of the way, but only if he is directly above said object. And that's what the kick button is for. The way that the airplanes move, they like move in circles so their propeller can be 
like facing up and you can kick the airplane away. And yeah. um, he's got to have some pretty durable legs there because uh, if I were to do that, my legs would be chopped to shreds. More a video game biology. He might be wearing some kind of uh, special protective covering over his legs, like really thick metal or concrete or something. Mm-hmm. So that might be hmm. why he his legs don't get chopped off if he kicks. And, you know, it's uh, quite commonplace to uh, hang glide with uh, concrete attached to yourself. Oh, yeah. That yeah. makes it so much easier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, anywho, once Freddy is done with a level, he will be given 10 seconds to land on one of several platforms. And if he lands on anything but one of those platforms, he loses a life. Every one of those platforms has a bonus value attached to it that, as far as I can tell, if Freddy had correctly spelled the word bonus, and ergo the word bonus is on the screen at the bottom, his landing bonus triples. I found that out once when I actually, I think the one time I successfully spelled bonus and survived the round, mm-hmm. when I landed on, I think, the 3,000 point thing, my score was relatively astronomically high for that round. <laughs> I think I ended up with like 36,000 for the round, which is not typical, at least not for me. <laughs> but there are several different rounds with kind of different layouts. In the first round, Freddy hang glides over what, I don't know, kind of looks like Oregon because there are a lot of trees, some houses, some non-house buildings, uh, possibly schools or businesses. I can't tell for sure. It does have a Pacific Northwest feel. Yeah, uh, there's some snowy top mountains, some bridges. Um, The next level, the second level, kind of looks like Hawaii. Freddy flies over a series of islands with palm trees, sailboats, and an aircraft carrier. On the third level, I don't know what the deal is with that third level, that third round, because it's either India or Egypt, because Freddy is clearly flying over the Taj Mahal, pyramids, and the Sphinx, among other things. (laughs) So I... I don't know, unless he's flying over a, a, a some kind of special, like, world landmark-themed miniature golf course or something. I don't know. But uh, in that round, there are some weird swirly little dots that hover in the sky that he has to dodge, which I think he can kick away. And he also has to dodge a guy on a flying carpet, also a kick-awayable I don't, enemy, maybe? I don't know if it's necessarily an enemy or just a, a hindrance of some kind. The fourth level is that same kind of Oregonian landscape as the first level, except there's snow this time. The fifth level is the same as the second level. It kind of looks like Hawaii. The sixth level is, again, Egyptian India, or Indian Egypt. I can't really tell, except it's a little bit hazier. And instead of those hovering dots, there are like hovering diamond-shaped thingies. So, uh... I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with all that. But anywho, uh, I like to talk about how fast Freddy can rack up some uh, scores. And uh, once Freddy takes off and is in full control, he gets 10 points for every tiny fraction of a second that he flies. My estimation is that he accumulates about 100 points for every three quarters of a second, give or take. When Fast Freddy successfully kicks an object, he scores points. If he kicks an airplane or a balloon, he gets 30 points. If he kicks a box kite, a duck, a helicopter, a lifeboat, or a seagull, he gets 50 points. I don't know how many points he gets for kicking that uh, flying carpet guy. And as I said before, you pick up a bonus flag, you get 100 points. And uh, if you successfully spell the word bonus, then each subsequent flag with one of those letters on it 
is 200 points. Now, Jimmy G mm-hmm. and everybody else listening, you may have remembered that I mentioned that outside of at least the United States and outside of Brazil, the game was called Flyboy. So you're mm-hmm. probably thinking, same game. Well, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. I don't know about Big Flyer in Brazil. I don't know if that's the same as Fast Freddy or if it's the same as Flyboy or if it's yet another variation. I couldn't find any evidence of it existing anywhere other than uh, just written references. I couldn't find any ROMs for it for MAME. But there are some differences between Fast Freddy and Flyboy. For one thing, the attract modes are slightly different because in Flyboy, there's a screen in the attract mode that's very visually dazzling, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way. But there are red, green, and blue bars on the screen that kind of makes you like, whoa, what's this? And uh, that screen is not in the Fast Freddy attract mode. As for the gameplay, though, Fast Freddy plays much faster. There's a trade-off, though, because in Fast Freddy, it's much easier to move up and down. But with Flyboy, it is very difficult to move up and down, especially down. You actually have to kick repeatedly to make any progress when moving down. With the original speed of Flyboy, the slower speed that Flyboy runs at, your scoring timer is actually 100 points per second, roughly, if not exactly. In Flyboy, it is a lot harder to get the bonus flags than it is in Fast Freddy. So if you're having a hard time in Fast Freddy, man, you are... Just don't even bother trying those bonus flags in uh, Flyboy. Now, I talked about how the word bonus appears in the center of the bottom part of the screen in uh, Fast Freddy. Well, on the right side of Fast Freddy, you have a kick meter. It depletes every time you kick. You can only kick a certain number of times in a round. Once you clear the round, your kick meter resets back to full. In Flyboy, you can kick all you want. It does not deplete. But you still have a meter on the lower right corner. But instead of a kick meter, it's kind of a map. It's not a real map. Like, it doesn't tell you what landmarks are coming up. It just tells you how far you are in the level. And also, I've noticed that, at least for me, it's much easier to successfully kick enemies away in Flyboy than it is Fast Freddy. Mm -hmm. In Fast Freddy, you have to be super precise. Yeah, I I was having some trouble with that. Yeah, I thought maybe there were some that are impossible to kick, but no, they're all possible. But in Flyboy, it just seems that it's much more forgiving. And uh, we like to talk about home versions. As far as I can tell, there are no real home versions of either Flyboy or Fast Freddy, but at some point, I wasn't able to find evidence to this, but supposedly Kaneko's website once had some information about Flyboy ports for Super NES and Sega Genesis, but they were likely canceled. So, yeah, unless there's um, an enterprising homebrewer, actually, somebody did suggest on Atari Age that somebody make an Atari 7800 version of Fast Freddy. Mm-hmm. And of course, I had to chime in and say, hey, there should also be an option to make it Flyboy, so you have some of the variations. Also, those of you who are new to listening to Pie Factory Podcast, we also like to talk about where we first played the games that we talked about. Now, this is going to shock everybody, because, well, as common as this game was, (laughs) I never actually played it. I never played it. 
I've only played it in MAME. I've never played a Fast Freddy or Flyboy arcade cabinet. I believe Galloping Ghost does have Fast Freddy, though. This might shock people, but I never played it at Aladdin's Castle. Really? I played it at Putt-Putt Golf and Games. Re- oh, my goodness. They had it there. I played it wow. a few times. I don't remember if it was there very long, but I know I played it several times, and I tried to get into it because you think I'm an Atari fanboy now. I really was back then, and like anything that had the word Atari slapped on it, I was immediately fanboying over it. And um, I remember not caring much for it back then either, but... Yeah, I'm going to save uh, save the, my the rest of my comment for until after we talk about high scores. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I did notice way back in the 80s, I did notice that Atari put out a lot of quality games, but I did notice that there were some Atari games that I did not like, and they always tended to be not made by Atari, but licensed mm-hmm. by Atari. <laughs> hmm. Like Kangaroo, for one. And I, I know I'm probably in the minority for that, but... Well, we've uh, talked about Kangaroo. Do you have anything to add before we move on to more uh, final thoughts on Fast Freddy? Well, talk about the high scores. Okay, that was going to be next. So high scores I have both in uh, Twin Galaxies and uh, Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E. I'll start with Twin Galaxies. Now, their highest score that they have listed is by Bert Zelton who is listed as having scored 22,296,540. And that was submitted on June 25th, 1983. Now, something I wanted to say about that, I looked at that score and I said, how in the raging hell is it possible to score eight digits on this freaking game? Mm -hmm. And I noticed, I think there were seven scores listed on Twin Galaxy. I believe the first four are all in the millions and they're all from the early 80s. They're all from around 1983, 1984-ish. Now, keep in mind, back then, people didn't typically record their gameplay because home video cameras weren't all that common. And even then, I don't know if it was worth it to record Flyboy games. So these are going by eyewitness accounts or whatever else have you. If you look at the more modern scores, there are three, I believe, scores. Yeah, there are three scores on Twin Galaxies from 2007 for uh, Fast Freddy. They're all from August 11th and August 12th, so I'm guessing that was performed during some kind of video game tournament. And they were all in the hundred thousands. And this was during times when, yeah, it was very easy to record gameplay. So I'm kind of (laughs) wondering... If maybe that's a little hint that uh, those scores from the early 80s might be exaggerated. (laughs) Hmm. No, that didn't happen. But having said that, Twin Galaxies also has a listing for Flyboy, which is kind of making me a little bit more curious because that high score is only, there's only one score submitted Mm -hmm. and that's 162,020, which sounds to me slightly more, well, not slightly, a lot more reasonable, uh, performed by Gualberto Carrara, I believe, uh, from Italy. And that was submitted July 30th, 1985. Oh, yeah. And I do know that Galloping Ghost has the game, or at least had it at one point, because Orcade.com's listed high score was performed September 1st, 2018 as a ghost. Performed by Brad Williams, who scored 295,890. My high score, I think, is in the 50,000s, and that was pure luck. Yeah, I think most I got was like 11,000 when I played it this afternoon. 
Yeah, I think that's the high around the highest score that I got after I got that one really super good luck game. <laughs> Everybody's got that one game uh, that they play that's uh, that they get inspired and then they just can't do it again. I think Ferg uh, had a story where he was played, I think it was Donkey Kong Jr. for the first time. And he did like really, really well. And everybody in the arcade was like uh, amazed at how well he was playing. And they kept giving him quarters to try to play again. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's no way I'm going to do this good again. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what episode. Oh, I think it was the, actually the Donkey Kong Jr. episode of the Atari 2600 Game by Game <laughs> podcast where he talked about that. That's a great story. It's kind of like the first time I played uh, Rally X when I did relatively well on it, and I really wasn't sure what I was doing. And then when I read the instructions and learned how you're supposed to play the game, I could never reach that original score ever again. (laughs) It's amazing amazing when you finally play the game right. (laughs) That's when you start to suck. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, good grief. Oh, God. Oh, man. So are we ready to um, assign a Pie Factory podcast rate of one to five continues to this, or do we have more to say? Um, inclusive? Inclusive, of, of course. Okay, well, um, here's the thing with this game with me. The graphics are very colorful. Yes. The music is very cheery. This is a very cheery game. It is. The, the gameplay is frustrating as hell, at least for me. Oh, yeah. It looks easy, but it's that's deceptive. It really is. And... Um, I don't hate this game as much as I did when I was younger, but I can't give it Hmm. any more than a three. And that's just because this is just like a, the game is just cheery. It's like happy. And that stupid grin on his face just kind (laughs) of seals it. Holy, you know what? I think I'm going to, for Halloween this year, I'm just going to make a mask that looks like him. And um, that's, that's really easy to do. All you need is a paper plate. And a black marker, and you just make a stupid-looking grin on it, and then you're you're good, dude. If I can ever lose enough weight, I'm gonna be uh, Charlie Chuck for Halloween sometime. <laughs> you just have you to keep my it. eyes wide open. <laughs> With all that having been said, I'm gonna rate this game three continues. Okay, to me, the game feels as if it had been not quite ready for release, but they were up against deadlines, and they were saying, you know what, screw yeah. it, let's just put it out like it is now. I get that. Because it just seems that there is a lot of good intention put into it, but not well executed. And also the fact that it was kind of a tie-in with the hang gliding fad that was happening around that. Because I remember seeing hang gliders all the mm-hmm. time, even where I lived in that podunk town Bourbon, eh? Mm-hmm. I'd see hang gliders out there and I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know if they, if they get launched by an airplane or what, but well, what I've seen out here is, um, I haven't seen any hang gliding cause there's, let's be honest. There's no Illinois is the second flattest state in the country. And the part that I live in, there's just nowhere you can, you can hang glide off a boat. I have seen are like go-karts attached to parachutes. And uh, hmm. they'll get going, and then the parachute catches the air, and then they'll go go aloft and all that. I have seen that really? in this area. Huh. One thing I forgot to mention about this game is the name. First of all, Flyboy is a much better name for this game. When you think of Fast Freddy, the first thing I think of is auto racing. That's or a motorcycle good point. racing yeah. or, or something like that. I don't think or some kind gliding. of chase game, you know. Or some kind of a chase game. I do not think hang gliding 
because hang gliding, <laughs> relatively speaking, is not fast. Yeah, that's you know, very and that's true. another thing with uh, video game physics is the hang glider moves about the same speed as the airplanes. Or it could be very slow moving airplanes. Like, have you ever well, seen a mad, 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 mad world? You know what? I need to see that one. That is a great fit. You, it's a long movie and it's worth it. It actually had an intermission, and I think yeah, the I know the three Stooges are in it. Yeah, they're in it for like three seconds. It's like the current lineup, of course, the 1963 lineup. But there's one scene where two of the characters uh, finagle an airplane. And it's one of those, it's a really old airplane. And all the cars on the ground are just zooming past it. <laughs> so I that part I can totally understand. If they have like really slow propeller planes, then yeah, that's that's totally understandable. But as I said, fast should not be in the title. It's not a reason. But yeah, and oh, speaking of the game, this is the only arcade video game that I could find that actually has the word Fred in the title somewhere. Really? Yeah. At least the only one on record at Twin Galaxies and Arcade.com. I can't so. think of any off the top of my head, but th- th- to be fair, though, names are kind of rare in video game uh, titles. Oh, yeah. In the arcade. Uh, I can't think. Circus Charlie is the only one I can really think of. Ooh. Have we talked about Circus Charlie? We have not. I'm adding that to the list. Yeah. Oh, and uh, oh, uh, Mikey, too, which we did talk about a couple of years ago, I think. Technically, Mr. Do is a name. Yep. So, well, no, not necessarily, though. The exclamation point in Mr. Do, is that part of his name? I think it is. I think the exclamation part is actually part of his name because all the other ones, it's like Mr. Do, bang, apostrophe, S, wild ride, etc. Do, do, bang, bang. Yeah. So... What do you rate the game, well, my What I friend? rate the game, and before I do that, I, I keep pushing myself back here because I, did, I just want to ask, did you play Just Fast Freddy or did you also try Flyboy? Just Fast Freddy. Just Fast Freddy, okay. Yeah, you might want to try Flyboy to see what you think of that one, too. Oh, dude, yeah, I just got a new laptop, and uh, when I get a new laptop, usually what I do is I just back up my old one and then restore the backup on the new one. Mm-hmm. And uh, something happened that I've never seen happen before. All my save states transferred over and work. Oh, wow. Usually with MAME, mm-hmm. I found that if the save state is on a different machine at all, it's not going to work. This time it did. I was like, holy crap. But Mario, your save state's on another computer. But anywho, uh, going, uh, I keep skirting the issue, but going back to my rating of Fast Freddy, again, it's a Good concept, just not well executed, and it's not well to the point that I get frustrated playing it every mm-hmm. single time. It gets two continues out of five from Sean. I was flirting with two continues, but I'm liking it a little bit better, and that's just because I forgot how jaunty the music is and how colorful the game is. It's more of an aesthetics thing. Maybe the jaunty music is there to kind of counterbalance the frustration. Could be. It's, it's like, oh, this game, but the, hey, the music's happy, and oh, I died. But the music's happy. So, so, I don't know. Do we have an underwriter this this week, this episode, this month, this whatever? Why, yes, we do. Thank you for asking. Depending on how you drive and your car's condition, you can get incredible mileage from the Goodyear Custom Wide Tread Polyglass Tire. I've got 32,000 miles on my tires. I've got 41,000 miles on my polyglass. But polyglass means more than mileage when your wife has to drive alone. <laughs> When a woman's at the wheel, polyglass means more than mileage. So, with that, let's uh, talk about the next game in our list. 
Oh, there's another one. Yes. Exerion. Exerion. So, Exerion is... Notes here? It was released in 1983 by Jellico, or it was released by Taito in the United States at the same time. The object of the game, it's... You know, I can't say it's a standard shooter, but uh, what you have is you have this spaceship, and you're floating around the uh, scrolling planet. And I, lo- I love the uh, the the scrolling uh, parallax scrolling, the scrolling par- the par- parallax scrolling while the movie. It, it. How to explain it? What did you put in your notes? It scrolls and it. Uh, what was the other one? Scroll. There's scrolling and. What's the other direction? Scrolls from oh. left to right, or it's... Right to left, up and down, or down and up, or down to up or something. It, it creates the illusion of 3D, in a way. It creates the illusion that you're traveling. Your spaceship has, uh, well, first of all, the control panel has an eight-way joystick, which you're going to need, and it has two buttons. It's got double shot, otherwise slow shot, or a rapid fire button, which I believe is labeled fast shot. You can go pretty high on the screen, I think almost all the way to the top, and uh, you can pretty much go wherever you want. Uh, you have to watch out for the inertia. Unlike other uh, space shooters like Galaxian and uh, Space Invaders and all of that, those games, once you stop, you stop. This one, it, had, it actually has inertia, and it goes just a little bit, and you got to really, really master the workings of the, uh, of the joystick and the, uh, the physics. This, is, this game does not have video game physics. It's got actually hmm. realistic physics. Real? Okay, that's good to know. Why do I not remember this from playing it? Well, I don't know, Cabinet Sancha. I love <laughs> that word. So anyway, the name <laughs> of your ship is the Fighter X. And now your double shot is unlimited. You can keep hitting the button, two shots, two shots, two shots. Or you hit your rapid fire button. The thing with the rapid fire is you have, you start out with, uh, I believe, 50 energy. And every time you use a one rapid fire bullet, it takes one off. You refill it by shooting and destroying things with your double shot. There's also another way to get more, uh, it's called charge. That's what it is. It's not called energy. It's called charge. There's another way to get more charges, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But um, uh, one thing about this game um, I noticed, and I've actually, I believe one of our emails talks about this. There's uh, some symbols in the lower corner that might be a little confusing, but I figured it out that it's the, the symbols in the lower right corner indicate how many enemies you have destroyed. It became apparent to me once I saw ones that were labeled 50 and 100. There's like four sets of enemies, and then you get a, uh, a bonus round. In the bonus round, you have unlimited fast shot, and uh, if you hit all of the enemies in that round, you can get 60 charge. Otherwise, you get just the number of uh, charge for the number of enemies that you shot. See, I was going to ask you about that, because guess who could never hit all the enemies? Well, I've got a tip for that, and I just <laughs> discovered that today. Do tell. I will I will talk about that in the tips and hints section of the, of the oh, episode. Okay, but uh, I was going to go through the scoring, but I they're like uh, they don't have it in any of the sources. But then I watched the tra- track mode, and oh, the scoring is there. So you have multiple different enemies. Hmm. Now there's uh one two three four five. There's ten different enemies, and uh, two of them are just bigger versions of the smaller ones. The first one looks like a little butterfly with like, Aww. you know, with outlined wings. That's 100 points. The next one kind of looks like a bird from uh, Phoenix, which uh, 200 points. Another one is like a little round saucer dealie. That's 300 points. Are there any birds from, say, Scottsdale or Prescott? 
maybe Tucson. Oh, that's okay. about the only one I can think of. Huh. Uh, maybe the town of Jerome. I'm sure Jerome has some birds. Jerome, Arizona is a really neat town. Go there if you ever get out that get out to Arizona. Anyway, the final enemy on that level is a huge version of the phoenix-like uh, bird, and that's 500 points. The large birds take eight shots to destroy. They fire rockets, which are 400 points. Now, the thing about the rockets, and there's also rockets in the second uh, round as well. When they reach uh, a certain point, they'll reverse direction and go up the screen. So you got to you know watch the bottom of your ship. And then there's a bonus enemy that pops up every now and then. It's like six green dots that are connected together. And if you can get that, that's a thousand points. Uh-huh. That's the first go through, the first four levels. The second four levels, you have a round looking enemy and that's 200 points. Then you have kind of a, it looks like maybe one of the Phoenix birds, except in more pastel colors. That's 300 points. Uh-huh. Then you have a, it looks like a triangle shaped bee, I guess. That's, uh, it's green colored. That's 400 points. Then you got the big version of the pastel phoenix bird. That's 600 points, and his missiles are 500 points. And then you get a three-headed hydra as the bonus uh, enemy, and that's 1,000 points. Going on to some trivia, apparently there's a bug that uh, will reset the game back to the title screen, but I was not able to recreate that. Mm. Here's a, uh, a, a bug in the challenge stage. If you get all 40 of the enemies, you get 60 bonus charges. Every now and then, a red-colored Hydra will come out during the stage, and if you shoot all 40 aliens plus the uh, thing, that's 41. The game is only looking for uh, 40 hits, but since you're getting 41, you will not get the 60 charges. You'll only get 41. Hmm. So in that case, you're probably, if you want, depending on how you're playing the game, if you want going for points, hit the Hydra. If not, miss it. So there's that. Interesting. The bonus round goes, you said you can never get all 40 of them. Nope. But I found a trick, uh, and it worked for the two bonus rounds that I was able to get to. Of course, in the dip switch, I still, for some reason, cannot get cheats to work in MAME on my new computer. I, huh. Don't ask me why. I haven't figured it out. But Why can't you get uh, che- Oh, never mind. Never mind. However, they did have a, uh, in the dip switches, they do have a 254 ship cheat that was actually on the machine. So here's how you do this little trick. In the lower right-hand side of the screen, there's the word credit. If you hover between the E and the D or the D and the I, depending on where you are or depending on the pattern, you have a good chance of getting all of the enemies with the rapid fire. And uh, just don't move around. Just hover there just as necessary. Just hover around the D. Given what we talked about earlier, that sounds kind of weird. But uh, hover around the letter D. And just adjust slightly to the left or slight to the right as you need it. And I was able, like again, to get through the first two bonus rounds and get every single one of them. Also, in the bonus rounds, if you don't miss any of the shots, your bonus score keeps doubling up to 10,000 points. Nice. But however, the next hit afterwards, it will reset to zero. Wait, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to research that because... I don't know what it's talking about because I don't remember there being bonus points in the bonus round. I just remember it being just to get extra charges. Now, when we have our 10th anniversary show, I'm going to ask you if you ever did research that. Yeah, probably not. So there were only two ports that I've been able to find that were not in compilations. First of all, there's one on the Sega SG-1000 and there's one on the Famicom. Now, 
Remember earlier in the episode when I was talking about my gaming setup and how I have oh, yeah. uh, my Sega Master System? And thinking that you're going to come over here and try to figure out my gaming setup? Uh, no. The EverDrive I have on my Master System also plays SG-1000 games. Yeah. And I played through this SG-1000 port of this. And I found out tonight as well that my EverDrive on my uh, N64 will also play Famicom games, not just NES. So I played both ports. Nice. The SG-1000 port is trash. The Famicom port is really, really good. Hmm. So uh, take that for whatever it's worth. Okay. There were two sequels to this game. Really? Uh, There's one called Exerion 2 Zorn. Zorn? Zorny. That was only released on the MSX, and that was in 1984. And the second was called Exerizer. E-X-E-R-I-Z-E-R. Exerizer. Mm-hmm. which was released in the AK arcades in 1987, released in the U.S., North America by Nichibitsu under the title Sky Fox. And I played that game. That game is weird. First of all, the, the, the screen is like way cluttered. Uh, you can't read the fancy font. And um, it's just pretty dang weird. Oh. I will also say that Exerion, the arcade game, is currently available on the Nintendo Switch for $7.99 uh-huh. in, the, in, the, in the Switch store, whatever the heck Nintendo calls it. And that's all of the that, all that, that I have to say about the, uh, the way the game plays. So, Sean. Yes? Do we have any high... Well, first of all, where was the first place you ever played this? <laughs> Nowhere, unless you count my home, in which I played it in MAME. You'll never guess the first place I played it. I think this will be the only time I'll ever mention this place. Oh, geez. Um, Gala La- Galaxy World at Gala Lanes. I've already mentioned that a few times. Oh, you this did? Is, okay. This will be the only place. I'll give you a hint. It's a, it was a fast food restaurant. Hardee's. It was not a national chain. It was a local to Joliet store. Only one outlet. Oh, God. Rex? Nope. That's still kind of sort of national. It is, yeah. Babe's Hot Dogs? Nope. If you're on the right side of town with Babe, well, I don't know. Um, home Cut Donuts. Now it, I'll give you one more guess. Oh, you, boy. you won't get it. No, I'm it didn't probably. last that long. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. It was located right next to Fast Printing, where our, our late friend um, Matthew Matt Horn used to Vid Freak. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not going to get it. Joliet Chicken Shack. Yeah, I would never have gotten that. <laughs> I know you wouldn't have. When did they go out? I never got chicken there. I always got, they also had burritos. I always got the burritos. They might have gone out before I ever lived in Joliet. That's, you know what, that's entire, uh, it's entirely possible. It's just down the road a piece from uh, University or College of St. Francis, whatever they're calling it this week. So, yes, that's the very first place I ever played it. And I've seen it, I, th- I think I've seen this also in, la- in a few laundromats, but I don't know <laughs> if I would necessarily call this a laundromat game. Thing is, I think... Uh, jumping ahead a little bit, I think the quality is a little bit too high for it to be a laundromat game. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've seen the cabinet. I don't know if they... Do they have it at Galloping Ghost? I don't think they do. Oh, let's see here. Nope, it doesn't appear to. Mm-hmm. So, I don't remember what the cabinet looks like. It might just be one of those kind of like spiffy wood-paneled ones. But um, yeah, let's talk about scores now. Let's talk about scores. Okay. What do we uh, got yeah, for scores? Yeah. Uh, by the way, a quick uh, search online. Uh, I'm currently connected to the internet right now, so I can actually look up. Yeah, it looks like it's a very no frills standard cabinet. So okay. 
But anyway, you say um, scores there, do you? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do happen to uh, have some scores listed here. Um, this time I'll start with Orcade.com, E-U-R-C-A-D-E.com. John McAllister, he's been mentioned in this podcast before, but not in a he long is. time. He scored a million fifty-eight thousand nine hundred wow. on this game on May thirty-first, two thousand thirteen, at Fun Spot during the fifteenth annual Classics Championship. That's a very believable score for this game. Yeah, and uh, man, I wonder if he actually recorded that so that he could submit it to Twin Galaxies and overtake their record, which is uh, Joseph. I don't know how the last name is pronounced, either Janiek or Janique or Haniek or Hanik or something. Sorry, Joe, if you're listening. He scored 653,400 on September the 1st in 1984. Nice. So, yeah, J.P. McAllister, uh, you might want to um, see about uh, bumping that score down to number two. Oh. Yeah, like he listens to us, please. <laughs> well, you never know. I was just, You never uh, know. <laughs> again, I, again, I was like, oh, Shinto listens. <laughs> I was just looking at the list of uh, people that, uh, that had subscribed to our fa- page on Facebook while it is Nowhere near comprehensive as, say, uh, the Atari 2600 Game by oh, Game podcast. No. <laughs> There's uh, still a lot more people on there than I previously thought, so you never know. Yeah, you the download know. statistics are often kind of like, really? That many people? So, Sean, I have a question for you. Oh? What do you think of this game? You know, to me, my overall thought was it's like Galaga, except enjoyable. So Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, everybody. In case you didn't hear this before, I do not like the Galaxian series of games. Deal with it, okay? Oh, speaking of which, that's a game we need to add is Gaplus. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I guess we do. But yeah, I just think it just felt overall more enjoyable, less unfair, and I mm-hmm. loved the rapid fire. And the thing is, my scores were, as bad as my scores are in this game, they were absolutely abysmal. Until I realized, wait a minute, I got another firing weapon here. What Mm -hmm. happens? Oh, and then my scores shot up relatively. (laughs) I remember the very first time I played this, I I didn't know about the double shot button. Well, actually, no, I did know about it. But I'm like, well, I've got this rapid fire button. Why don't I just use that? And then I suddenly ran out of rapid fire. I'm like, oh, and then uh, then I realized you have to recharge it with the (laughs) other weapon. So that introduces a bit of strategy. Yeah, that's very creative, I think. There's a little bit of intelligence with the way that the enemies move because they kind of mimic your position on screen in a way, especially with like the butterflies. And um, the butterflies are actually kind of hard <laughs> compared to some of the other enemies. And that's the first enemy you're up against because they uh, they shoot shots that can't be shot down, but they, they shoot straight down. But they also have ones that go out at a 45 degree angle. And you got to watch out for that. Oh, no. <laughs> what? You come on, Hyde. You know what to do. All right. I'll just put the thing in here, Hyde, even yeah, though it's... Okay. Yeah. Watch out for snakes. And then um, the the way that your ship moves, it feels right. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. when you couple it with the way that the, the background scrolls. And the way that the background scrolls, it just feels natural, uh, I guess, is basically the best way I can put it. And uh, it really has a nice, um, I don't know, nice Stomach sausage. Pump. And um, it, it controls smooth. Let's put it that way. It controls okay. very smoothly. It, it does. The deaths do not seem unfair. Yeah. So one of those I, games I, where if you screw up, it's your own fault. 
Yeah, I was actually about to raise that little non-issue right there, that it does seem that you have non-cheap deaths. And I mm-hmm. guess basically, going back to my thoughts on how it's basically an improved Galaga, I think especially in the graphics, I kind of like that 3D kind of mm-hmm. parallax kind of effect. And it really struck me, really. When I was playing this today, it occurred to me that this game has the feel of a Demon Attack sequel. Hmm. I can Especially the Intellivision Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Yeah, I was thinking that too, because I think some of the enemies kind of look like uh, they're about to divide, kind of like how, how mm-hmm. they do in uh, Demon Attack. Especially those really big uh, enemies in the fourth round really yeah. did, yeah, did appear, appear to have that feel. So it's got a bit of Phoenix and... The way some of the enemies uh, attack you, it the the enemies attack patterns almost got a bit of a Zevius vibe in a way there. The way yeah. the, the enemies in Zevius attack, yeah. And um, I really like this game. I don't know if I like it enough to give it a five, but it's a very very strong four. Yeah, I am tempted to give it a five. Ooh. You know, I'm just gonna keep it as a four. Okay, I'm keep it as a four. But um, this is, I think, one of the better games that I've played in a while. Now, I've played it a long time ago, too, but well, I sure. like this game. Yeah, I like uh, it, too. And uh, I, too, would give it four continues out of five. Basically, I'm playing this game in MAME, and I'm thinking, man, if I see this in an arcade cabinet, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm there, because it makes me really excited to think that I could possibly play the arcade version someday, as opposed to just emulating it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this this game just... It just feels right, you know. It's sure. It's well programmed. Uh, other is. than the the bug, what I that I was not able to recreate, which resets it back to the um, title screen. But uh, other than that, it just seems, yeah, yeah. This is just an overall solid pick. It overall is. solid game. So we got a two, a three, and a four today. Mm-hmm. Two fours. Two fours. So, yeah. Two fours. And I think what we should do now is uh, talk about the theme. Okay. No, no, no. Let's not talk about the theme yet. Let's do our uh, audio submissions oh, okay. and our email. F-E-E-D-B-A-C. Feedback. 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 Okay, how about... Do you want to do the email first, or do you want to do the audio submissions? Um, I thought the email was audio. We have Eugenio that was sent on the 25th of February. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah. Let's talk about uh, Eugenio. Yeah. Let's talk about Eugenio behind his back. Yeah. So he's got a bit of a longer email because he hasn't sent us one in a while. So yeah. Um, you know what? I'll go through it. I'll go for okay. it. Okay. So greetings, Jim and Sean. Greetings, Eugenio. I hope all is well. It's been a while since I've sent feedback, but I didn't want to ignore a question you asked me when I last sent feedback. You wanted to know if the hurricane had affected me. Oh, yes. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Thankfully, that's, nothing that's major happened in Miami with the hurricane. We got some rain, and that was about it. As a side note, um, uh, Pac-Man Plus actually lives on Sanibel Island, uh, yeah. just uh, outside of Fort Myers. And apparently, the bridge that goes to uh, Sanibel Island was destroyed, so they were kind of stuck there for a while. Oh. The consolation is that he got he got a uh, uh, Lifetime Achievement Award Ooh, for what? Right. Yeah. So congratulations yeah, that just on happened. that, yeah. Bob. So uh, I keep in touch with well, Bob. And well I talk, deserved. I chat with him every now and then on Atari Age. So everyone should be happy. No, he's. I hope that doesn't mean that they don't expect he'll do anything great again. <laughs> it's like when Tom Hanks got his Lifetime Achievement Award. He said, I'm only 45. Well, when Steven Spielberg had been nominated for tons of like regular Oscars, then he yeah. got his Lifetime Achievement Award because 
yeah, his stuff isn't good enough. And then the next year he did Schindler's List and swept everything. Uh. So, <laughs> so at any rate, continuing on with Eugenio's email, uh, changing topics, changing topics. I've already got everything set up to attend PRGE this year. The convention logo uses the Atari Jaguar typeset, so it seems the event will be focusing on the system's 30-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. With that said, here's my feedback for several past games and the games covered today. With some of them, there isn't much for me to say, unfortunately. One, Arkanoid. I do remember seeing Arkanoid in the local arcade in my hometown. It looked like an interesting take on the breakout formula, so I decided to give it a try. Imagine my surprise when I saw all the extra stuff the game included. Though the game has the same basic gameplay, the visuals are more sophisticated, the sound effects are better, and the added game elements make playing Arkanoid quite fun. All those power-ups add new elements of strategy as well. Despite liking the game, I never got a home version of Arkanoid. I know the Atari 8-bit and the NES got ports, but I never even tried to get them. The closest I got was Crazy Bricks for the 7800. Oh, that's a good game. It is. programmed by Bob D. Crescenzo. Here we go. It's pretty much a clone of Arkanoid. I don't think Having it has seen... power-ups, though. Uh, you're right. I don't think it does. Having seen some videos of the NES port, though, I might consider getting it. I did notice it has a high price tag, though. Yes, it would, because it comes with a special controller. Yeah, yeah. By the way, there I know somebody was working on an Arkanoid uh, version for the 7800. I don't know what the progress is on that, but... A lot of the stuff you can find in the 7800 forums on Atari H, uh, yep. information about these different games that they're being come out for. Being come out? Coming out for it. Two, Portman. Well, I can't say I heard of this game before. Looks like an okay game based on the videos of it that I saw on YouTube. I was surprised to learn that this game was ported to various computers' consoles, including the NES. It must be quite rare, though. I can't even find videos of it on YouTube. It Wait, is pretty obscure. Hold on. Huh? Looks like an okay game based on the videos of it that I saw on YouTube. I can't even find videos of it on YouTube. Oh, he's talking about the NES version. That's okay. probably, yeah that's, yeah, that's how I take it. Okay, three, Vindicators. This is a game I have heard of, but I've never seen in any arcade or at any retro event. I first became aware of Vindicators due to the never-finished Atari Lynx port. Too bad it was never completed and released. That did not stop me from getting the prototype reproduction of the game that was sold recently. This port would have been very good had it been completed. I also own the Tengen NES port of the game, which happens to be a surprisingly good version of the game. I'd still like to try the original arcade version at some point. It has to be cool playing it using the dual controllers. I do kind of like tank games that have two uh, two joysticks, I have to say. Yeah, I'm starting to get into it. Yeah, That's a neat control system. I'm still not going to like uh, Battlezone, though. Yeah, I'll let you have that one. Uh, <laughs> four, Assault. Here's another game I had not heard of until you said you'd be covering it for the podcast. Looks like another tank game similar to Vindicators. Visually, this game is very different from Vindicators, though, and the sound effects appear to be more realistic. I do like how the game transitions between levels. That's pretty cool. Anyhow, I'll have to see if this ever shows up at a retro event to try it out. Yeah, definitely try it out. Yeah, I, I went back to uh, Retrocade after we talked about it and played a little bit more of it. And yeah, once you get used to the controls, it is a, it is really a, a fun AF game. It is. I, Assault, I like it. I, I love that game. So, anyway, um, oh, number five, Exerion. Can't say I've seen or heard, Exer- heard of Exerion before. Having watched some videos on YouTube, I'm reminded of a bit back of Buck Rogers in the 25th century because of how the planetary surface is drawn. Am I right to thinking there is some 3D quality to this game? Well, you heard what we said by now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) From the videos, it is clear that the planetary surface is rendered with parallax scrolling to give it a 3D quality, but at some points it seemed as if the enemy projectiles could pass under the player's ship. The graphics looked nice, but the sound effects were a bit annoying. 
we didn't really talk about the sound on it. I thought the sound was fine. I like the explosions yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. When your ship blows up, that's kind of that's a, a, a neat explosion. That was my idea for a special episode. Maybe not for a special episode, but for a poll on our uh, Discord server. Like your top three looking explosions, your top three sounding explosions, and maybe your top three combined. Uh, I think that would be kind of interesting to find out because explosions are always fun and video. I like that. You should post that there. I should post that there. Anyway, um, insofar as gameplay, some stages remind me of the first Galaxian sequel. Anyhow, curious to learn what you guys have to say about the Exerion. By the way, since this is a Jellico game, I wonder if it may eventually appear in a game collection for the Evercade. Ooh, that's a good question. A, Do they know. have a Jellico? Time to find out. <laughs> okay, apparently there is one collection of Jellico games on the Evercade, but uh, Exerion is not one of them. Ah. So, uh, yeah. So he's got a point. It might come out because... Oh, oh, who is it? Uh, Phil the Nosewear Gamer actually has... Uh, I believe he's got uh, an Evercade, and he uh, reviews the uh, collections uh, from time to time on his YouTube channel. Oh. So take a look at that. Watch his channel if you're, or if, 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 if you're not, and uh, if he's still taking our listeners after today's episode. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six, Fast Freddy. Okay, now I feel ignorant. Okay, first of all, Eugenio, you're the doctor. I'm working in Texas port. <laughs> You're not ignorant. <laughs> Never heard or seen this one. Apparently, this is a game of the kick 'em up type. Kick 'em up type. That's a good way to describe it, really. I didn't realize that was a thing. Okay, I'm curious of what you have to say about this one. From watching videos, not sure this one is appealing to me, which is understandable. <laughs> uh, that's all for today. Going to the final frontier, gaming. Thank you, Eugenio, as always, for your. Uh, yes, thank you email. so much. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, I was wondering what had happened to you. So uh, it's good that, to hear that you got through the hurricane okay. Yeah. And um, that, uh, you know, everything's okay with you. And uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I always worry about friends from Florida because like, man, you're you're going to lose your house or something. I've actually talked to people who from the Midwest who say, yeah, I'd rather do that than deal with snow again. Like, I guess, Ugh. hey, some people's poison is <laughs> other people's not poison. Yeah, is, we, is that how the expression as goes? far as this year goes, what snow? Yeah, dude, I told it was snowing when I was grilling. I know, and then winter's almost over, just a few more days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're recording this just a few days before the uh, official, like the twenty second, twenty fourth, something like that. The official oncoming of the spring season, as twere. We have had blizzards in April before. Yeah, but. Uh, it hasn't been overly cold, the exception of one really horrible cold snap, like back in December. And we haven't had snow to speak of. It's like, we've had a lot of rain. That we've had, so I don't know. So now, that having been said, again, thank you, Eugenio, uh, we got a couple of um, audio submissions. Okay, yeah, we do. Yes, uh, we see. do. Uh, which one should we uh, address first? Why don't you choose one at random? Choose one at random. Okay. Let's go with uh, this one. I've been trying to figure out how to ask you guys to cover Exurion. I I couldn't just, you know, say, hey, could you guys cover Exurion? I wanted to come up with a complete solution. Two games linked together with a common theme. So I I thought to myself, what could I pair with Exurion? Oh, Liberator. Two games with perspective-based scrolling in the background. But you already did Liberator. Oh, uh, how about Bubbles? Two games 
where your movement carries momentum, but you already talked about bubbles. And then you go and pair Xerion with Fast Freddy, which makes sense from what I know of Fast Freddy, which isn't much, but let's talk about Xerion first. I was on a quest to find some hidden gems, arcade games which aren't, you know, in the top 20 or 30 that you always hear about with arcade games. The Froggers and the Cuberts and the Centipedes and the Pac-Men and the Donkey's Kong. Something less common, but still good. I came across a thread on Atari Age called Most Underrated Arcade Games, and on page 4, Atari Age user Zoyas mentioned a game called Exurion. So I tried it out, and I hated it. Uh, I, I watched the attract mode for a bit and saw the player movement looping around the screen, so I gave the game another try, and then another, and then another, and started to get the hang of it. If you play this game like it's Galaga, or Phoenix, or you know, better yet, other shooters with aircraft and atmospheres like 1943, or Xevious, or Legendary Wings, something along those lines, you'll die quickly in Exerion, but... Once you learn to leverage your momentum, it becomes a lot more interesting and unique. Physics in a flying game? It's crazy. I like the two firing modes, the regular twin shot that charges up the rapid fire, and then, well, the rapid fire, swooping around, laying waste to your enemies with a well-timed flurry of cannon fire. It's very satisfying. I think you get bonus points for taking out an entire swarm of enemies like that, but I, I could be wrong. The shield yes, things and other icons that, that appear on the bottom right corner. I have no idea what those mean. I, I forgot I you do get bonus points. I didn't see up, that listed anywhere. you guys did. Anxious to learn what those are. So, Zoyas is right. Exerion is an underrated arcade game, and I've grown to really like this one. It, it's not in my top 10 or anything, but maybe top 30? It probably helps that my son and I have been locked in a fierce high-score arms race on this one, which adds to the pressure and excitement. I would rate Exerion four continues. Maybe five, depending on whether or not I currently hold the high score. <laughs> hold on. Oh, I wonder if he's got the high score. Oh, yeah. Five continues, baby. <laughs> Fast Freddy is interesting. It's definitely different. And oh, my, but that Freddy's a happy fellow. What I can't figure out is who dropped the ball here. Whose fault is it that you have a hang glider <laughs> Stunt flying biplanes in a homicidal helicopter, all sharing the same airspace. Where's air traffic control? Where's the FAA? Somebody needs to go to jail over this, or at least face a hefty fine. After a couple of attempts, I made it to the end of the first level by simply avoiding everything as best I could. But it turns out there's a button labeled kick. What's that good for? Surely you can't kick an airplane out of the sky. Don't call me Shirley. Holy I just kicked an airplane out of the sky. <laughs> the bonus flags at the bottom are a nice bit of risk-reward, uh, hitting those while avoiding the ground-based obstacles. But at one point, I, I tripped on a mountain and died. A mountain. I thought it was way <laughs> off in the distance because it's, well, a mountain and, and really tiny there on the screen. But no, apparently... And this is starting to make sense. Apparently, Freddy is a gigantic monster, a gigantic <laughs> happy monster. And that's why he he's being swarmed by us. biplanes, because that's what you do with giant monsters. You swarm them with biplanes. Huh. <laughs> okay. Um, imagine this. Imagine a, a campfire and some grizzled old pilots sitting around it swapping ghost stories or something. And, and one of them says, it ain't no urban legend. It's true saw it with my own eyes. It was back in the summer of 82, but I remember it like it was last week. Me and 
Three of my buddies were out flying in formation. Clear blue sky, perfect weather. And then I saw him. Fast Freddy. He moved like like he was controlling the wind. Not the other way around, you know. Oh, boy. And all I could see was his giant toothless grin. He swooped down on us with his giant feet. Kicked old Jacob. Just kicked him. Like for the hell of it. Jacob tried to regain control, but the damage was too great. He spiraled down. Never saw him again. Good man, that Jacob. I looked up at that monster Freddy, and he was laughing, just laughing without a sound. Never been more terrified. Gave up stunt flying that very day. Never again. But mark my words, if you're up there, you best keep an eye out. He'll come out of nowhere silently, and the last thing you'll see is his gaping black toothless grin. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Fast Freddy's an interesting game, I'll give it that. Kind of reminds me of Sky Kid in that reverse movement thing, but of course Fast Freddy did it first. It's not going to be one that I'll revisit as often as Ixerion, not nearly as often. And the colors are displeasing. The light purple hmm. background is not great. The sounds are a little annoying too, but it's an alright game overall. I'll give it three continues. So, now that you've talked about Exurion, what other underrated arcade game could I recommend from that Atari H thread? How about Lasso? Uh, and you could pair it with... No, pretty sure you already did that one. Now I'll, I'll think of something. But you'll probably think of something first. No, I don't think we did Lasso. I no, he say he, I, no he, that was a joke. He was looking for something to pair it with. I know that uh, Victor and Sean talked, like other Sean, talked about it. On uh, 10 pence. You know what? I'm thinking we should probably just do a mystery science theater thing with these audio submissions. <laughs> like, talk over them. Well, it's more, this is more out of response. It's not. That's true. Not to, I mean, uh, not poking fun, fun at way, it, but making our commentary. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, the thing is, going back to like his very, very first point, how do you suggest a game? How do you suggest a game to us? Just suggest just it suggest to it. us. You know, just, you know, yeah. In fact, I'll put Lasso on the list right now. In fact, maybe that's if if I've we never ever played do it. get the yeah I've I've heard of it I have and, heard of um, it sounds like it might be interesting yeah well, something I should do when I'm working on the new website which has been in the works for a long time now <laughs> is put a suggestion form like hey what games should we Ooh, talk that's not about? a bad idea but, get on it yeah. get yeah. down on it Bob and, and I'm learning also that I should put in some uh, validation that checks and makes sure that like certain things don't get through like if it's just Someone saying F you, then, you know, sorry, we need something more substantive. Try again. But so thanks, Shinto. Thank you, Shinto. Yes. A couple of things. Um, I never thought about pairing this with bubbles because there is the momentum thing going in both of those games. But we can't do that now because we've already talked about both. So but it was a good Uh, idea. Yeah, I like bubbles. Yeah. I. You know what? I would have to agree with with him about. This not being a core classic. He didn't say core classic, but you know. <laughs> but I would I would yeah. consider Exerion to be a minor classic. Really? It's not. I never heard of it no. until you suggested we no, do it. No, you haven't. I get that. But uh, I I think it's got all the ingredients to make it a minor classic. Maybe that's just me, but. Uh, it does except for the popularity. Yeah, Even minor true. classics have popularity. Because like I Let's would consider. Let's do it this way. It's a cult classic. Yeah. There. We'll that's start a the cult. better. The Cult of Exerion. 
Yeah, it's cult classic, kind of like how Tinkle Pit is. And I I enjoyed the the little story about the arms race Sonic Syria. Yeah, right. That's awesome. I love when when uh, you can get your kids to play classic games with you. Like there was the time I was playing the uh, uh, Centipede on the seventy eight hundred with my son, and we were playing the competitive mode, and we did pretty good together on that game. So yeah, and of course I don't really have much to say about his uh, things about Fast Freddy, other than the fact that I enjoyed the sound effects. He's always uh, kind of done a little production work on his uh, audio submissions on other podcasts. So, uh, so it was good to hear from him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you want more of Shinto, and I can, after that uh, audio submission, I can definitely see why. Uh, he's got his own podcast, the Atari Jaguar uh, Game by Game podcast, I believe it's called. Yep. So uh, give, that, uh, give that a check. Give that a shout. Give that a listen. Whatever you want to do. Just listen to it. Yeah, it's one of two console podcasts I listen to in which I've never really had that console or played mm-hmm. much. I've never played a Jaguar. I also listen to the uh, Super NES podcast, even though I've spent maybe about 10 minutes of my life playing a Super NES. I've never really played a Jaguar in my life, but I've pretty much played That's most of the other big ones. Uh, not until recently uh, when I got the Atari 50 collection, which has got a few Jaguar games on there. Uh, oh, they were talking about that on the uh, Good Job Brain podcast, which oh. uh, Tim Evans from uh, Super Podcast Brothers, he turned me on to that podcast. Yeah. One of the panelists on the podcast actually works for the company that developed it. Not Mike Mika, is it? No. Okay. No, I for, I forgot his. I forgot which one is uh, is on it, but I know that one of the other panelists is like, oh, that is such a great collection. What was the name of the podcast? Good Job Brain. It's a trivia podcast. I really enjoy it. They come up with trivia quiz themes and they quiz each other. Karen Chu, Colin Fenton, Dana Reitman, and Chris Kohler. I don't recognize Well, Dana's them. not with it anymore. She recently quit the podcast to okay. uh, take care of other things. This is just off of their website. Oh, my wife got me their book for Christmas. I haven't looked at it yet because I've been, I have a back backlog of books I wanted to get through first. So I take that to anyway, with me. So I was seeing if I could recognize the name, but I couldn't. So we have one more uh, audio submission, and this is oh, from Plaid Mouse. Plaid Mouse, yeah. So let's listen, shall we? Testing, testing. One, two, one, two. Uh, hello, Jim and Sean and fellow Pie Factory podcast listeners. This is Plaid Mouse, and this is my first audio submission to any podcast. I'm overcoming a respiratory infection, so please forgive my wheezing and coughing and sneezing and all. <laughs> uh, first, I want to thank you, Jim and Sean, for suggesting a theme tune for me. That, that just made my day hearing that on the last episode, number 135, uh, the one with Assault and Vindicators. Uh, I love new wave and synth pop music, uh, so that would be great to have them incorporated. But whatever you come up with, I will be thrilled with. So thank you, gentlemen, very much. Just a quick introduction. Uh, I've loved video games since as far as back as I can remember. Uh, this happened to be the golden age of video uh, arcades, the early 80s. Uh, video cabinets were everywhere. Some that I remember fondly playing were the ones at the Glen Olden Swimming Club, uh, the Spy Hunter Cabinet at the James Way in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, various laundry mats uh, at the Pocket Change, or at Pocket Change, uh, at the Grant Run Mall, uh, my college rec room before they remodeled it, and the arcades down uh, on the various boardwalks, uh, mainly in Ocean City, New Jersey, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and while at college, uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. Some of my favorites are Spy Hunter, uh, Kung Fu Master, Krull, Tron, Arkanoid, uh, Asteroids, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Galaga, and several others. Uh, I also enjoy pinball machines. Oh, and I have to say this while I'm thinking about it. Uh, Jim, uh, the name of the town where I 
usually played Arkanoid growing up was Tough Kenneman, Pennsylvania. Tough Kenneman, Pennsylvania. I mentioned it in one of my uh, former um, emails to you guys. Anyway, uh, today we're talking about Exerion and Fast Freddy. Uh, sadly, I haven't played either of these in their arcade cabinet forms, but thanks to the wonders of the internet, I was able to try them out. Exerion is a like a more realistic version of Galaga, Galaxian, <laughs> and Space Invaders. Uh, all of the ships come after you kamikaze uh, style if you don't shoot them down. Uh, I like the two different styles of, uh, of shooting, the slow double shot, which never runs out, and rapid single shot, which can run out. Uh, the rotating planet's surface is a very neat visual effect and reminds me of the log they spun to show rotation around a moon on the classic Doctor Who episode, uh, The Ark in Space. Um, that's the one with uh, giant space bugs on a space station. And if memory recalls correctly, uh, they crash land on the moon. Anyway, I digress. It. Uh, though it takes a little getting used to as it is a tough game, uh, Exerion uh, is a solid one and, I can, and can be a lot of fun. Uh, my highest score was 25,400 points. Oh, it blows uh, I rate this game a solid 3 out of 5 continues. Fast Freddy is a novel game uh, like with a sharp learning novel. curve. I was able to get <laughs> the hang of it, learned how to defend Freddy against the bumblebee-like biplanes, but collecting those darn letter flags to uh, completion was beyond my abilities. For the word bonus, I got B, O, N, and U. Uh, so just missing that last ass. This is a fun game, but a bit too tough for me. My highest score was 11,830. Uh, I rate this one a 2 out of 5 continues. Uh, I would play it again, but probably not that often. Okay, that's it for now. Uh, I'll have to see about sending you guys some Vegemite. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I have a college buddy that lives in Chicago, so when I go out to visit him again, uh, I did so last summer, but it was just starting to send emails to the podcast. Uh, I'll let you know. I would love to check out all the awesome arcades uh, you guys keep talking about. Uh, if you're ever in northern Delaware or the Philadelphia area, please let me know. Uh, this is Plaid Mouse signing off, uh, and I'll end in Japanese. Arigato gozaimasu, itsumo Matane. Okay, I recognized arigato, which I believe means thank you, if I know my sticks correctly. Yeah, I don't, I, tr I don't dare pronounce anything in other languages because I will probably end up uh, offending people. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, by the way, the, the reason that I kind of laughed toward the end there is because I noticed an interesting pattern. Oh. Shinto agreed with you in terms of the continues ranking, including the little thing. Let's see, should I go, should I go four or five? Well, except he actually went five. And uh, Plaid Mouse agrees with me with the ranking or with the ratings. <laughs> yeah, that's I did notice that. Yeah. By the way, sorry we couldn't get a theme ready for you, um, Plaid Mouse. We reached out to Scattered Frog to have them record one. Unfortunately, they are on a tour of Seychelles right now. And Ooh. also, unfortunately, I now owe uh, Adriana, their bass player, $10 for the overseas text message that I unwittingly sent them to request this. So, yeah. Um, so we'll see what we can do for you, though. Believe me, it's it's in the pipeline. So, um, first of all, uh, if any of our listeners are either in the Chicago area or coming contact us and we'll, yeah, really. we'll, we'll try to, I mean, it'll be a little bit difficult on my end because of my work hours, but uh, we'll try to, uh, to get together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am socially awkward just to let everybody know, but Hey, I'm always happy to meet with people. And I, I'm just uh, awkward. So, yeah. I mean, so it works out. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm awkward in many ways, but especially socially. So, so it's very hard for me to initiate stuff. And I think going back to his, uh, voice message, uh, First of all, the Pocket Change Arcade sounds so familiar, and I don't know why. 
I've heard that. I don't know if it was like a local arcade or maybe when I was out to, in uh, New Jersey for your wedding or something, I had heard about it. But hmm. why does that sound so familiar? Yeah, speaking of wedding, I've been to Rehoboth Beach before. That is a nice little place, I uh-huh. gotta say. And uh, yeah, I was I was actually there for a lesbian wedding. Oh, nice. Except it wasn't really a wedding because it was before it was legal. So sure. it was just a commitment ceremony. And thank God it wasn't legal then because that kind of fell apart. Oh. Which is a shame. It didn't last very long, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, actually, it turned out. But well, we'll see now because she's with a much better person right now. Oh, okay. So. Well, well, there you go. As far as Xerion goes, uh, I think he, well, we maybe mentioned it, but uh, I mentioned it. But yeah, realistic is the way to describe the way that the game feels, as we mentioned earlier. So uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that picked up on that. And as far as uh, Fast Freddy goes, yeah, I couldn't spell bonus either. <laughs> I, try as I, I might, did it once. I could not do it. <laughs> and um, I couldn't even make it past the first level. You, one thing you neglected to mention once you're at the end of a level, there's a there's a countdown timer. Yeah, I, I mentioned it. Oh, there's you did? A ten second. Oh, count. yeah. Must be. I must have zoned out. Yeah, play the tape back. You'll hear it. So, um, thank you everybody for your submissions, uh, Eugenio, Plaid Mouse, yes. um, Shinto. Oh, speaking of Shinto, I I would just want to ha- publicly thank Shinto because he saved us a little bit of frustration. Um, I was tasked with publishing the previous episode, mm-hmm. so I did. This was before I really knew how to set up a, a podcast feed. Uh, it publishes through WordPress. In fact, a lot of people actually, you go to the WordPress site because of that. And um, I put the post in and um, hours went by. It wasn't on the feed anywhere. A day went by. It wasn't on the feed. And I was like, what the frack is going on? Pardon my language. Sorry, everybody. But I was like, what the fight was going on? But Shinto said, hey, let me look at that for you. So he looked at the... Um, the RSS file, and he noticed that there was no audio attached to it. And I looked at the original post. Uh, Yeah, I forgot to add the uh, audio that uh, Hyde sent us. So yeah, my that was my bad, everybody. I apologize. (laughs) But thank you, Shinto, for volunteering to look at that for us. That was a... He did essentially kind of... It it kind of reminded me of being at work, because I've experienced that before at work a lot. I'm a software developer for a living, and You know, that happens to me from time to time where there's always like a very basic step that you forget. Mm -hmm. It happens to everybody, I hope. (laughs) So should we reveal the theme for today's episode? We probably should. We We haven't done that yet. So yeah, Yeah. why don't we reveal the theme? Um, Uh, Do you want to reveal it or should I reveal it? I'll reveal it. Okay. These are games in which uh, one of your weapons uh, kind of uh, loses its charge. Yes. I have in my notes deteriorates, but I don't think that's the right word. Because the weapon, if you charge it up, it, it the weapon didn't deteriorate. It still works. Yeah, it's not like it's a disintegrating gun, right. you know, because brother, when it disintegrates, it disintegrates. It disintegrates, exactly. So and then you need a reintegration gun. So should we uh, let, we got people to thank, don't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. So why absolutely. don't we thank some peoples? Well, of course, we thank uh, everybody who's listening to this for actually listening. And we thank the following for uh, supporting us monetarily. Uh, that's uh, Rory Coleman, Atari Bytes Podcast, Christian Williams, Timmy Mack, Retro Game Club Podcast. They have a great Twitter feed, by the way. Oh, gosh, yes, they do. PJ Steele, thanks. Kevin Bean, thank you. Plaid Mouse, of course. Richard Valdez, Daniel Chavez, Nate Lockhart, Underground Retrocade. The, uh, I was going to say Sneezy, SNES Podcast. You Oops. got me saying Sneeze, like, back in the 90s. Well, it's, it's funny because I was just listening to an old episode of... Um, 
the um, Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast. And one of the audio submissions uh, called it the sneeze. So, <laughs> so yeah, thanks, Greg, at the uh, SNES podcast. SNES. And of course, Joe. I don't call it the uh, sneeze anymore. And uh, thanks to Mike Hat and Jay, Keith Sheehan, D. Alex, Mark Super, and of course, Kurt Musgrave. Thank you all Thank of you. you and, one uh, and all. Anybody else wishes to uh, help us out uh, financially? And I promise we are trying to come up with some bonus content, some extra content. Uh, people who do support us over Patreon do get uh, the podcast a little bit early. And if uh, we happen to uh, say like nasty things that we end up bleeping, Oops. they have the option of getting the unbleeped version as well. This episode's uh, definitely going to have a Patreon only uh, bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also I just want to throw it out there like for, because I, uh, I know of at least one sponsor who didn't realize you could actually put the Patreon feed in your podcast app, whichever app you use, whether it be Apple podcasts, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, whatever, whatever you have on your phone, you can actually put in uh, your RSS feed. So you don't have to go to Patreon to download it and all that. So uh, that's actually, I did not know that. Yeah. You can uh, hit, uh, hit us up at pie factory at fab four it. If you want some uh, uh, instructions on there, five, four it.com, you'll hear uh, all that later on in this uh in the closing credits anyway sorry about that uh, uh what else do we have to say before uh, we again uh i'd like to say that if you have any ideas or suggestions for the show don't don't hesitate to email us contact us on any of the social media platforms or the anti-social media platforms as it is these days like the ones where nobody posts anything yes exactly and, like say um, hive and uh what's the other one that nobody posts on <laughs> our discord server is up and running yep. it's uh not a whole lot of people on there, but, you know, it's there. And uh, yep. take advantage if you're having uh, any uh, issues with your mental health. Uh, don't yeah, don't hesitate to post on there if you feel, uh, feel uh, so inclined. And uh, we're more than willing to listen to people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that, that was Jimmy G's suggestion, Jim. Thank you for putting that channel on there and oh, for actually mentioning this out. Because, uh, yeah, this is a very important issue to both of us. Mm -hmm. And I hope it's very important to all of you as well. Uh, in the meantime, Jimmy G, did we ever agree on what we're going to do for the next episode? Yeah. Uh, Silkworm and Super Cobra. Silkworm and Super Cobra. Oh, yep. I know what the theme is already. Yep. It's games that start with S and end in W. I just thought of a secondary theme over the ones that uh, we had already talked about, actually. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. uh, alrighty. So, with all that, uh, go ahead and say something. Yeah, divine hair slash mass in F. Sure, why not? And support your local arcade. Bye bye. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. Oh! Wow, that's going to be an outtake. Next episode, we should broadcast live from a Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Kevin Matthews, used on his radio show, he would play this game called Cop No Cop, in which he'd have a caller take a guess as to whether or not a cop would be present at a random donut shop he'd call, and he'd mm -hmm. win, and win a prize if that caller was right. He spun that off into another game called Dick No Dick. Oh, no. In which he'd look up a business called Dick's something or other, 
And he'd call up and say, hey, is Dick there? And if the person guessed correctly whether Dick was there or not, you know. But anyway, 